evening and welcome to Zion Hill again. Uh, thank you for live streaming with us on today. Today we're going to take a look at the book of Nehemiah. If you recall on last week, we uh, went through the book of Ezra. Uh, we know that there were more than 2 million Jews who were exiled in Babylon. And when King Cyrus released the Jews to return to Jerusalem, they were given a choice to either stay in Babylon or to go to Jerusalem. And just over 50,000 people chose to return to Jerusalem. And they were also given a directive that whenever they returned to Jerusalem, they were to build a temple because God used King Cyrus to release the Jews. And he also told Cyrus to have those who go back to build the temple at Jerusalem. Uh, Nehemiah's uh, parents were among those people who were exiled some 70 years earlier uh, in, in Babylon. They were from Jerusalem. Nehemiah himself was not born in Jerusalem. He was born in Babylon. So growing up in that Babylonian empire, his parents taught him the Jewish lifestyle. They taught him to love the Lord his God. They taught him to pray and to honor Yahweh, which is the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And growing up in Babylon, Nehemiah became employed in the royal palace and became the cupbearer to, to the king. The king at that time when he became cupbearer was Artaxerxes. He became the cupbearer, which is a very important role, even though it may seem minor, but it's yes, it was very important because the duties of a cupbearer was to bring the king his beverages, his water, his wine, whatever it was that he was going to drink. And before the king would drink from the cup, the cupbearer had to drink from it first. And if by chance anyone was trying to poison the king through his drink, the cupbearer would get it first and he would die. So being the cupbearer made Nehemiah live a pretty comfortable lifestyle. But in addition to that, his job entitled him to having direct access to the king. You know, God often used even the least of us, the least types of jobs, whether it's a janitor, cupbearer, whatever it may be, he, sometimes God would use those where some of us could have access to authority and become an influence in carrying out the things or the plans and purposes of God. During uh, this time between the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, um, more than 50 years had passed uh, since Zerubbabel and Ezra had led the first two groups of Jews back to Jerusalem. So today we're going to look through the eyes of Nehemiah 
concerning his Babylonian experience. The book of Nehemiah begins uh, with a priest by the name of Hananiah. He returned back to Babylon. Hananiah was with the Jews who went through the first two groups uh, back to Jerusalem. Hananiah was in that group. As a matter of fact, if you read the word of God in the book of Ezra, you will find out that Hananiah was also one of the priests who had sinned before God and had taken on wives of the foreign women. You know, God told them not to get mixed with the Canaanites and the Amor with the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pezzarites, and all those people. He told them not to marry or get have any relationship with those people. And Hananiah was one of those Jews who married into um, one of those families. And he also obeyed in the end of the book of Ezra to divorce the wives because these women are men of the, of the Amorites and the Pezzarites, the Hittites and all of them. They worshiped idol gods and they practiced all kind of pagan activities. So he was one of those who... Uh, obeyed what Ezra had uh, given them the decree to divorce them and walk away from that life. And he did. And he returned back to uh, Jerusalem with those first two groups. But here on today, Hananiah comes back to Babylon for whatever reason or to visit or whatever. But Nehemiah wanted to know from Hananiah how was everyone doing in Jerusalem? He wanted to know how all of his friends, his family, his relatives, his distant relatives, he wanted to know how are they, how are they doing back in Jerusalem since they returned home? And to his disappointment, he was told that the people in Jerusalem were in great affliction and reproach. And how so? The walls of Jerusalem were broken down and the gates of the city had been burned with fire. If you recall back in Ezra, the enemy showed up and these people continued to fight and fight the people of God. And the gates of the city, the walls of the city had been destroyed. Therefore, the city was exposed to the enemy. Point taken. What do you think will happen if you are exposed to the enemy? Are you prepared for a fight? Are you prepared to protect yourself against the enemy? Well, you may say, yes, I've went out and I've purchased a gun or whatever, but there are at times unseen enemies and it's called spiritual warfare. Are you prepared for spiritual warfare? Are you prepared to fight the enemy that you can't see? Huh? Think about that. Are you prepared? That's why 
We pray that God put a hedge of protection around us. No, you don't see the hedge, but it's invisible. It is there and God will protect you. The people of the city have been exposed. Many of us are exposed. We get exposed because of various reasons. We're, ex we're exposed because we may be in sin. Sin will expose you, brothers and sisters, to the enemy. Unforgiveness will expose you to the enemy. Not living right, doing the wrong things, exposes you to the enemy. It doesn't mean that these people were sinning or, or, or anything. They were walked into a situation in rebuilding the temple where the entire city of Jerusalem was desolate. They came back and inhabited that city, that, that city. And therefore, there were some challenges that they had to face. And one of the biggest challenges in trying to rebuild the temple at Jerusalem and to rebuild that city is they had to deal with the enemy. The enemy will also show up again, like I told you on last week, when you're walking in your plan and the purpose that God has ordained for your life. So here today, we find that when Nehemiah heard the news, how the gates of the city had been destroyed and how the walls of the city was down and that the people of God were exposed to the enemy. He began to cry. He broke down and he cried and he moaned for a period of time. Then he began to fast and he prayed before God. And this is where we want to really focus in on today, where we want to cue in on Nehemiah's prayer. Prayer is a powerful tool and it is a powerful weapon of the enemy. Remember I said sometimes you're dealing with an unseen enemy and the enemy you are dealing with, you can't destroy him by shooting him with a gun. You can't destroy that invisible enemy with a machete. But there are enemies that you have to fight in prayer. It's called spiritual warfare. He starts off to pray with, oh God in heaven, the great and terrible God. Notice here, Nehemiah doesn't start off asking God for anything. He come before God, worshiping God, telling God how good he is. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Father, you are good. Lord God, I just love the sweet aroma of your presence. Lord, we thank you. You know, you just come before God, telling him how good he is. He is merciful. He is kind. We just thank you, Lord, for all the things that you've done. Father, we thank you for being a watchman over us by day and by night. 
Lord, we thank you for being our high tower. Thank you, Father God, for being our Rose of Sharon. We just come before him, thanking him for who he is, for being our God, thanking him for being the great I am, praising him and worshiping him. Nehemiah begins giving God the praise. He's giving God glory. He's giving God glory that is due his name. God wants us to praise him. Let me tell you something. God wants us to brag on him. That's what we do. We brag on him. Instead of magnifying all of our problems, magnify God. The word of God said, oh, magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name together. God wants to make his, he wants us to make his name great. But in our flesh, in the natural, we have a tendency to magnify our problems, to magnify our adversities. But he says, oh, magnify me. Because you know what? God is bigger than any problem that we may encounter. God is even bigger than coronavirus. Believe it or not, he is bigger. He is mighty. He is strong. God is a great God. Hallelujah. We just thank God for who he is. You know, the Bible says that who is the king of glory, that we should let the king of glory come in. Why should we let the king of glory come into our lives? Why should we let the king of glory come into our situation? Because the word of God says so, and I believe what the word says. The word says, he's strong and mighty. He is mighty and better. Let the king of glory come in. Let him come in to your situation on today. We should always begin our prayers by acknowledging God, acknowledging his greatness, acknowledging his goodness, because he is the creator of the universe. He is even our creator, and we need to acknowledge him and thank him for allowing us to be here. Nehemiah praised God for always keeping his promises. God, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, God is a promise keeper. May not seem like it when you're going through some stuff, but trust me, he is a promise keeper. God always do what he said he's going to do because he said that he's going to watch over every word which is his promise. He's going to watch over what he said to perform it. And we thank God for today, for being a promise keeper. Nehemiah praised God for keeping his promises. Nehemiah, in his prayer, he is declaring the character of God. And he is using it as the basis to ask God 
to intervene in the situation. Nehemiah knew something. He knew something. He knew how to get God's attention. It is amazing how Nehemiah's prayer is aligned with the model prayer that Jesus Christ taught the disciples in Matthew 6 and 9. He opens it up by saying, when you pray, this is what Jesus told the disciples because they asked Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, when you start off, when you began, start off by saying, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thou name. In other words, Jesus is telling them, when you pray, you start off by magnifying God, by making him great, by worshiping and praising God for who he is. Nehemiah knew that if he wanted to get God's attention and his intervention on his prayer, on his request or his petition, he knew that praise would do the job. He started praising God. He knew that praise is a tool. Prayer, brothers and sisters, is a tool. But prayer is a mighty weapon of warfare when you incorporate it with praise. Amen. David said in Psalms 23 and 2 that God inhabits the praises of his people. When you are going through and you want to know, Lord, where are you? Where is God? Your friends or your enemies, you know, they may look at you, look at her. She's a Jesus girl. She's a Jesus boy. He's a Jesus boy. But look at him going through. Where is his God? But if you really want to know where he is, you really want him to step out of eternity into time, into your situation, begin to praise him. Sometimes when I'm in my home and I'm in my worship time, you know, I began to praise God when I'm, I'm praying. I pray, I praise. I praise and I pray. And, and I know when he shows up on the scene, I can feel it. You know, the atmosphere changes when God shows up on the scene. Sometimes I can feel the hairs on my arms stand up when the, whenever he's present. And I know that he is there ready and waiting to accomplish his good will in my life. So began to praise God. Now, uh, Nehemiah's role, uh, he rose out his petition. After he had done praised God and worshiped him so long, you know, and he know now the atmosphere is set. God is here. He's right here. Even though God never leaves us or forsake us, but God sometimes can use his mighty power and he will show himself strong 
he will show his presence in your situation. And when he comes down into in the middle of our praise and worship, we can go to our daddy God and just tell him all about what we're going through. We can tell him all about our troubles and we can say, Lord, I need you. Father, I need you in my situation. If you are sick, you can say, I need you, Lord. You know, many of you right now, you may be in need of prayer and you can call that number right there on the screen. There are trained prayer counselors waiting to pray with you. Call that number on the screen so that they can pray with you. Going back to Nehemiah, he doesn't want to take a chance here. This is his opportunity because now he knows he has an audience with God. And when you know that you have an audience with God, you don't want to come before God with all this yang yang and all that stuff. You want to be direct and to the point. You know, there are times when people have asked me to pray for them and I'll say, what is your specific prayer need? What are you in need of? And they'll say, oh, we just, we just pray for everything. But you know, if you are really going through a problem, you need to be very, very specific in what your prayer request is all about. Nehemiah, don't take the chance here. He specifically go to God and he said, please, Lord God. He said, Lord, he said, I'm in a bind right now. My people are in a bind down there in Jerusalem. He said, Lord, let your ears be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear my prayers, the prayers of your servant, which I pray before you night and day. Nehemiah is reminding God, Lord, I'm your servant and I'm lifting up your people who are back in Jerusalem. He goes on to in his prayer to pray for the children of Israel. Notice here, he is not praying for himself. He is praying for others. When was the last time you prayed for somebody else. How often we pray selfish prayers. We pray, me, 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 I, 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 Lord, do it for me. Only me and mine. When you find yourself doing that many times, and I'm not saying don't pray for yourself. I am saying don't make a career of just praying for you and your family. Begin to pray somebody else. I also found out a lot of the times when I pray for others, God will make the same thing I'm praying for others happen for me. It excites me to pray for others because God is just ready and waiting to accomplish his good will through you and praying for others. When was the last time you prayed for somebody other than yourself? Nehemiah begins praying for the children of Israel down there in Jerusalem. He confessed the sins of the children of Israel. He confessed 
his sins. He confessed his family's sins. Hallelujah. You know when your friends, you know when your loved ones are not living right. You go to God in prayer and say, Lord, help sister so-and-so, help brother so-and-so. Lord, help their children. You don't know what's in their heart, but you can see the evidence of what they are doing in their life. And you know that it is not aligning with the word of God. Begin to pray for them. He prayed and he confessed the sins of his family and the sins of the children of Israel. He puts God in remembrance of his word. He reminds God of his promises that he made to Moses. He promised Moses that if the people who have sinned turn back to God, because God said if the your people, if people continue in sin, he said he will scatter the people. And this is really what happened. The people of Israel began to sin. When they were in Israel, they got scattered. They became captive by the Babylonians. And now they are back home and he is beginning to pray for these people. He says to Moses that if the people who have sinned turn back to God and began to keep my commandments, he said he will bring them to a place of his choosing and he will set his name there. Is God's name on your home? Is God's name on your church? You know, because a lot of the times people can get kind of carried away there, you know, and they are accomplishing their own fleshly desires and purposes. But, oh, what a mighty God we serve when we began to turn back to God. God said, when you, put, when you turn your heart, when you turn your desires back to me, when you begin to worship me, when you begin to obey me, and when you began to walk in my statues and keep my commandments, I'm going to put my name there. Isaiah 43 and 26 says, God said, put me in remembrance of my word. Here we find in verse 10 on today, uh, family of God, you know, we're just in chapter one, just the introduction. I haven't even begun to really even teach in the book of Nehemiah. We are right here in chapter one. If you look at verse 10, Nehemiah now shows a spirit of humility. He says, now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Nehemiah is praying and putting God in remembrance of his word. And one of the things that he said, Lord, these are not my people. These are your people. These are your people. These are your servants, oh God. He said, they are your people whom you have redeemed 
by your great power. In other words, God, you were the one. You were the one who you brought them out of Egypt by your strong hand. You delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. Lord, you, you were with them the 40 years when they were in the wilderness and they were in the desert. You used your mighty power and your mighty hand and you brought them through the Red Sea into the promised land of Canaan, which is also Jerusalem, the Israel, the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah acknowledges God's power of redemption. He's mainly referring to the Hebrew, the exodus of the Israelites from the land of Egypt. Again, here in verse 11, Nehemiah asked God again in his prayer. Before he closed out this prayer, he asked God again. Nehemiah repeats his request. And we too, we can repeat our request to God. He was hinting to the fact in that uh, request that Israel was the place that God had put his name. He had chosen Israel as his name's dwelling place. And so the servants who desired to fear his name were the people the, at Jerusalem who had been praying for God to intervene for years. Notice here, Nehemiah was fervently praying. James 5.16 says that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, of a righteous woman, availeth much. A fervent prayer is a genuine prayer. It is pure. You're not just saying words. It is to tickle, to, you know, you're not saying words to tickle God's ear to try to trick him into doing what you want him to do. But a fervent prayer is a prayer of passion. It is a prayer from the heart. That fervent prayer is a genuine prayer. In other words, there is no faith in it at all. When a prayer is genuine, like I said, it is from the heart. The word of God says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That word availeth much means that that prayer will go forth with much, much power. That's what we need on today. We need fervent prayers. When you pray, you want to hit the ball out of the ball field the first time. When your back is against the wall, you don't want to dilly-dally with prayer. You want to hit the nail on the head the first time. You know, I get excited about, about prayer. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior on today? Because you want God to move mighty in your life. You need to become a child of God, just like the children of Israel. And then we could go before God, just like Nehemiah went before God and say, Lord, these are your people. These are your servants. 
So if you're a child of God, when we intercede for you, we can say, Lord, this man, this woman, this child, boy, girl, Lord, these are your children. Have you accepted him on today? Do you need prayer and do you need somebody to pray for you? Call the number on the screen. That number is 1-844-999-PRAY. 1-844-999-7729. Call that number on the screen. Somebody is there to pray with you, to help you, to accept Jesus Christ for your personal Savior. Somebody's there to even pray for a prayer need. If you need need in any area of your life, call that number on the screen. Brothers and sisters, we only covered chapter one of the book of Nehemiah. There is more to come on next week. We are out of time, but we are not out of content. We look forward to seeing you next week, same place, same time. Be blessed.